Today we're talking about what it means to be devoted to God. We're talking about sometimes what you have to do to be devoted to God. And we're talking about what you will have to do to be completely devoted to God. Um, It is my favorite time of the year. I love Christmas. I love Easter. Um, But this is my favorite time of the year. I'm not talking about Mardi Gras either. I'm not talking about the Super Bowl. Who that? right? Cliff, you're going to have to come back up here and sing for us again. This is my favorite time of the year. And for those of y'all that have been uh, with us for a while, you know what I'm talking about, right? I'm talking about it's Girl Scout cookie season. That's right. I'm talking about the fact that if a Girl Scout will come to my door and I'm in a weak moment, I will so buy every cookie box that she has. I, I will buy 25 boxes and I, I, and, and I will take the consequences from my wife later. You know what I'm saying? Now, here's the deal. The number one cookie, and this is not up for debate, it's the Samoa. You cannot argue with me, okay? It is the Caramel Delight. Don't shake your head. If, you're not, if, if this is not your favorite cookie, you're not American, okay? If you don't like Girl Scout cookies, you're just not American. All right? This is by far the... Look at that thing. How can you not... I mean, good grief, that is tempting. The second one is, is, is this... Uh, it's, what, what's it called? The, the Peanut Butter Patties. Peanut Butter Patties. These are pretty good. They're covered in chocolate. What's wrong? Hey, this isn't, this isn't your list, all right? This is my list, okay? And, and, and you can't disagree with this. This is, this, is, this is good stuff. Thin Mints. Everybody likes Thin Mints, right? They're number three, all right? They come in third. The Dosey Doughs. This is the, kind of the peanut butter cracker, all right? They're pretty good. That cracker's real sweet. Mm. Then you got the shortbread. We're getting into the okay range here, all right? Shortbread, it's all right. Maybe, maybe some of y'all like just the plain cookie. It's good stuff, but, you know, you're not going to take a caramel, you're not going to turn down a caramel delight over this, right? I mean, if you do, crazy. Then we get into kind of some of the yucky ones. The lemonades, right? Y'all had this? It's, it's, it's basically the peanut, the, the peanut butter cookie, but, but, it's, but it's got the lemon filling. But I, I'll tell you this. Now, in the home group, Josh uh, went out on a limb, and he got some, some of these lemonade cookies, you know, the, the generic store brand. We don't, we don't go out, all out and, like, get the crazy stuff, the expensive stuff. He got, they're pretty good, all right? So I'm going to take them off the yuck list and put them on the okay list, okay? I, I had uh, uh, a couple dozen. Um, now, they're coming out, and I don't know if they've already come out with this or if they already have, if they have already or if they're going to, but there's a new one called the Dulce de Leche cookie. Yeah, yeah, it just sounds good, doesn't it? And then there is, I know this one is new this year, it's called the Thank You Berry Munch. The Thank You Berry Munch, and it's supposed to have three different types of berries. So that looks pretty good, too. We'll we'll throw that in the list, and maybe it bumps one off and and ranks it. Now, like I said, if you don't like Girl Scout cookies, you're just just un-American, okay? We need to have a talk and and maybe an intervention. I don't know what it is. But listen, here's the deal. Caramel delights, I will sit and eat four boxes at one time. I will. I mean, I'll just shovel them in. That will be my lunch and dinner. It's so good. 
And if you asked me and said, Jason, because I, 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 I pose this to you because this is a legitimate hardship for me. If you said, Jason, would you rather have some caramel delights, some, some Samoas, as they're called, or would you rather spend time with God? Oh, come on, man. So here's what I would say. I would say, let's compromise. Let's, why, don't, why don't we take the, the caramel delights and I'll bring them into my time with God, right? But here's the deal. If you've got caramel delights, it's nothing but a distraction. You can't focus on God when you're sitting there going, mm-hmm. oh, these are so good. I mean, God's, God's like nowhere to be found in the caramel delight, right? It's just you and the caramel delight and, and your lust, right? I mean, you're just like, oh, this is fantastic. And, and, and I, pose, I tell you that because, listen, this is literally a legitimate thing for me. If, 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 if I have to choose, I want to choose God. And I hopefully will choose God. But if they're in my cabinet, I may steal a few before I go have time with God. And that's unacceptable to me. Because that tells me I don't really want God. And if something like a little cookie can distract me and take me off of my focus and a, and, and a, and a walk with God, then... I'm in trouble. Today we're going to talk about what you really desire. And your first point is the question that I posed earlier in your program. What do you really want? What do you really want? You know what you need? You need Jesus. But what do you really want? You want Samoas? And you want Jesus. And we're going to talk about what it should look like on the inside, and how it should come out on the outside today. If you have uh, your Bibles, go ahead and turn to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, I'm going to look at this verse in the New American Standard. Normally we use the NIV, but uh, if you have the NIV, NIV, understand something. They translate it very poorly. Um, and the NASB does a much more word-for-word um, translation. Uh, the NIV uh, in this instance anyway, translates the thought, but not necessarily the word for word. So the NASB is, is going to be up on the screen, I believe. That's what I put up there, yeah. Um, and, and so as you're turning there, again, I, w- I want to make sure you understand today. I'm plagiarizing, okay? I'm still in Clyde Cranford's stuff, okay? I'm throwing my stuff in, but I'll just go ahead and give him credit for that too, okay? Because it'll be too hard to differentiate today. So I want everybody to understand that. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. We're going to look at 16 through 18. Let me tell you what Paul's talking about here. He's, he's talking about Moses. And when he goes up on the mountain to see God, you know, he went up on the mountain, God gave him the Ten Commandments. Well, he went up on the mountain a couple of times, a few times before that too. And every time Moses would go up on the mountain, he would go up there and people were like, where's Moses? Oh, he's up hanging out with God. Then he would come back down and he would be glowing. It, I mean, physically, literally, he would be glowing. And here's why. The glory of God rubbed off on him. I mean, literally, it, you're, you're sitting there, and you're like, dude, Moses, come on, man. You're, 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 turn it off. Can you, what, what's going on? So what he had to do is he had to take a veil and put it over his face to kind of diminish the, the brightness, if you will, so people weren't blinded. And then eventually it just kind of faded away. It's a great example of, of our lives, of how when we're close to God and walking with God and, and we feel God moving in our hearts, but then we walk outside and we just feel Him 
dissipate because we quit walking with him. And Paul says he's, he's so filled with God's glory that it rubs off on him, and people see it. And then in verse 16, it says, But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. So let me, let me give you, tell you what he's saying here. When you became a Christian, when you turn to Christ, that veil should be gone. People should see Christ in you. People should see God just, I mean, you should glow. You ever meet people like this? Like, like you, you come across somebody, and you know they have a heart for God, and you just think, God, man, you are just, something about you. You know, people tell my wife all the time, and they're like, you're just glowing. And it was when she was pregnant, so people would say, oh, you got the pregnant glow, you know, that kind of thing. And I'd sit back and go, no, she's just got an incredible heart for God, you know. People glow. People, you see it on their face. And he says, the veil should be taken away. You should let it be seen. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. In, in your NIV, it may say there is freedom. Now, this is something that is not talked about a whole lot. Because as Christians, we believe that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one triune God. They are one, but they're three, and you can explain it out, but we're never really going to understand until we meet him face to face. And, and listen, this, this may sound weird, but the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is the one who leads you and guides you and directs you. And he makes it clear. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You're free from chains of sin. You're free from bondage. You're free from, from those, those shameful things that you've done when you're walking with Christ and you've begun a relationship with Him. You're, you're free. You don't have to dwell on it. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to cover your head with a pillow at night. You're free. No more. And then in verse 18, he says this, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. Now let's, let's parse this out a little bit, because there's a lot going on in this, this little verse here. It says, but we all, with unveiled face, in other words, we, we don't have the veil. We're, we want people to see God in us. Beholding as in a mirror, from glory to glory. In other words, you're looking in a mirror. You're probably wondering. You're like, dude, your mirror's awful, right? It's just hideous. If you're going to throw that thing up there, you should at least clean it, right? Here's the deal. In Paul's day, they didn't have these crisp, clean mirrors that we have. They, they didn't have the techniques to make it very smooth. I mean, when you looked in a mirror in Paul's day, you were probably either fatter than you are or you were skinnier than you are. Or maybe your face was, and then, you know, I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was hard to make a very smooth glass finish. And so when they look in here, not only is it, you know, convoluted, but when you look, they couldn't make it clear either. So when they look into a mirror, they're staring intently. They're looking, and, 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 and I'm sure not like any of you guys, 
you, you probably do not look at your face in the mornings. You probably do not look at yourself and say, oh, what's that? What's going on? Oh, I'm getting some gray hair. Oh, my goodness, what's going on? So when they looked in a mirror, they didn't just step back and say, oh, the hair looks good today and walk off. They, they looked and they had to peer and they had to gaze and their focus had to be completely on their face. And Paul says, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. He's making a very clear point. When you look into God's face, when you're looking for God, it needs to be your focus. You need to be up close and personal with Him. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, being transformed into the same image from glory, in other words, our, our glory that we have now, our unveiled glory, to the glory of God in who He is. Because the Holy Spirit wants to change our hearts and take us from where we are now to where He wants us to be. From glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. The Spirit is the one who does this in our hearts. You can't do it. We've talked about this in this holiness series. You cannot do it yourself. You can't make yourself holy. Holiness comes from Christ. As you seek Christ, He's going to make you holy, not you. Now, We are not to look at ourselves. We are not to look at the world. I mean, seriously, can you change yourself from the inside out? Maybe a little thing here and there. Maybe you can change a habit here and there. But you can't change who you are. God changes who you are. When you look outside, you're not to look at the world and try to get them to change you and say, oh man, look at that, I respect that, I want that. Maybe they can change me and make me a better person. You're not to look at other people, your friends, Your family, they can guide you, they can direct you, but listen to me, God is the only one who can change you from the inside out. It's so important that we understand that when we look at God, we have to look so intently that we look only, and here's what we're looking for, we are looking for the glory of the Lord. This is what we are to behold this is what we are to focus on. This, was, this is what must captivate us. And then here's your next point. We are to focus on God and His glory. On God and His glory. Paul, who wrote this, he's writing to a, a small church in Corinth. In other books of the Bible, he, he, writes, he writes things like in Philippians 1.21. He says, For me... To live is Christ and to die is gain. This is a man who wanted Jesus. This is a man who desired Christ. What, what is it that you want? Colossians 3, 4. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is a man who is going full on after God. What is it that you want? Paul wanted Jesus so desperately. Christ is in your next point. Christ cannot be a part of our lives. He cannot be a part of our lives. He must be our life. It may sound like a little nuance, 
It may sound just like a little, but it's a total life change for many of us. He must be your life. So here's the, the question in your next point. Another, another couple of questions. Do I love him? Do I love him? And do I obey him? Because that's how you know if you do love him, if you obey him. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Real simple. But so hard, isn't it? If you love me, Jesus said, he's talking to his disciples, if you love me, you will obey what I command. You will obey what I've asked you to do. Are you devoted to him? Because to love him is to be completely devoted to him. To love him is the only way to grow in holiness. Now, is he your hunger? Is he your passion? Is he what you strive for? Jesus, what is it that you want? Because if he is, then you know that he is because the Holy Spirit's changing you, right? He's changing you on the inside and you know that where you were last week is not a place you want to go back to even though you were walking with the Lord but he's grown you just so much in a week in his relationship with you. And you look back and you say, I don't want to go back there. Or maybe, maybe some of us aren't walking with God but we're getting a little taste of God and we look back and we say, God, I certainly don't want to go back there. Do you desire God? Do you desire Jesus? Now, if you're not walking with him, I can tell you why. It's actually real simple. And everyone struggles with this at some point or another. And it's, your, it's the fact that you're just not spending time with God. That's, that's why you're not growing. That's, that's why you're, you're just kind of sitting there. You're not spending enough time with God. You're not sitting there and looking at him intently. You're not seeking after every detail of who he is in his face. What do you want? Clyde has a great quote. He says, we think love should gratify our senses. Because when you, when you think about a relationship with somebody or a relationship with God, we think, oh, I should get the warm fuzzies, the, the fuzzy wuzzies, whatever it is you want. We think love should gratify our senses, but this is a lie. Love is obedience. That's your next point. Love is obedience. Obedience is both the expression and evidence of genuine love toward God. Everybody with me so far? I mean, this is so, I mean, this is important stuff if you want to grow in your walk with Christ. Now, please understand, this is a quote from Clyde, okay? I don't put it up at a up there with scripture, but I thought it was a great quote, and I do think that it is backed up with, just with that verse, if you love me, you'll obey me. For your family, if you are actively sacrificing, if you are actively giving of your time, if you are actively involving yourself in each member's life, and for some of you, your students, you say, well, how, how does that work for me? You know, spending some time on the phone, 
calling mom and dad, calling your sister, calling your brother. You're actively investing in your family. For your church here, if you are actively putting in the time, the talents, your treasures, you're loving God. If you are actively serving, if you are actively using your spiritual gifts, if you are actively tithing, I'm not going to talk about money, okay? I'm, I'm not all about that. God takes care of us, I know this, but God wants our obedience as well. If we are doing these things, then we are loving God. For your relationship with God, all right, everybody, everybody listen, real, real good. Your relationship with God depends on you taking time with Him in Scripture as well as in prayer, as well as just sitting there. And letting the awkward moments pass by, and letting those things just kind of fade away with your tasks and your thoughts, and then all of a sudden you begin to hear from God. But this takes time. It takes time. You cannot, this is your next point, you cannot allow yourself to be motivated in your relationship with God by circumstances. Listen, you cannot allow yourself to be motivated in your relationship with God by circumstances. You know why? If you do this, if you allow this to happen, you will never spend time with God. The world will throw things at you that will dictate your life and your priorities and, and what comes first and what comes second. And then all of a sudden, you realize you're never talking to God anymore. You must be motivated completely and wholly by His love for you. You have to be motivated by His love for you. And that love comes out in obedience. You must be motivated by His love and show it through obedience. This is devotion to God. What is it that you want? What is it that you desire? Because a heart that is completely devoted to God grows in holiness. It grows as you walk with Him, as you spend time with Him. Devotion to God. This is devotion to God. It is an inward position of the heart expressed outwardly by obedience, and used by the Holy Spirit to make us holy. It's a lot of stuff there. That's not Clyde, that's me. This is an inward position of the heart expressed outwardly by obedience and used by the Holy Spirit to make us holy. Listen, if you want to be obedient to God, I'm going to make a pitch for the church. Here's why. In, in, in Acts chapter 2, we see the first church. And it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. We get that here. This is where you get that. You get teaching here, you get a little bit of fellowship here. It's not a lot of fellowship because we're in and out, right? To the breaking of bread, you'll get that here. We, we do communion. We try to do communion about once every six weeks. I'd like to get on a more monthly schedule, but uh, logistically, sometimes it's tough. 
to the breaking of bread. Back then, they would actually take dinner and eat it together and then, and then take communion. They'd be splitting the bread apart and eating it and enjoying it and remembering Christ and what He's done for us. And to prayer. Now, the fellowship and the prayer, you get that a little bit here, but you really get that in your home group. That's where you get it. That's where you really get to know somebody and, and, and really begin to bond with people on that spiritual level, that home group that you're in. That's where you, that's where you begin to, to grow in prayer. But listen, you've got to be doing this stuff at home. You've got to be spending time with God at home. What is it that you want? Let's talk practical for a, for a few minutes. Reading your Bible, okay? There's three basic ways that you can read your Bible. One is a leisure reading, you know, and that's probably what many of us do. A leisure reading, that's where you kind of look into the Bible, you read a story, you think, man, that's a great story, one day I'll tell my kids, you know, that kind of thing. You know, or if you're like me, you actually read the story to kind of... Uh, Tell your kids, but you've got to take out all the gory stuff, you know, like David and Goliath, when David killed the giant with a sling, afterwards he goes and chops off his head. We kind of omit that in, in the children's story, you know, when I'm telling, I'll tell Ty now, you know, he's like, oh, really? Chopped off his head? How cool. You know, I'm like, eh, all right, sure, why not? But with Eli, you know, it's like, whoa, no, 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 no. That's leisure reading. Then there's Bible study. This is when you break out some commentaries, you look up for, for some of these old guys who know their stuff about a particular book. This is when you uh, start really digging into the background, and maybe you, you'll start reading those notes a little bit more carefully in the bottom of your Bible. That's Bible study, where you really want to understand what's going on, and you want to get a little bit more understanding with God. And then there's devotional reading. And devotional reading is where you take the time to sit with God. And you say, God, I want to know who you are. I want to know about you. I want to dwell upon you. And listen, if you have already done some Bible study and you're reading this, then all of a sudden it's going to become this amazing living thing in your heart. You don't have to have the Bible study for it to do that. God can do it in your heart, no matter what. But it always helps. So I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you to, to not just do leisure reading, but to do some Bible study, and especially do some devotional time where you are just sitting with God. And then prayer. Now we did a whole series on prayer a couple of years ago, and and uh, part of that series is up uh, on the website if you want to go back and look. I encourage you to walk through a model of prayer called Acts. You don't have to. It's not biblically mandated, okay? I know it just helps me. It's helped a lot of us in our congregation. But it's called Acts, and it helps me to kind of get right with God. It's, it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Adoration is, is paying honor to God and worship to God because, you know, you don't want to... Just jump right in and say, God, hey, man, I'm running low on money. Can you help me out? God, hey, you know, hey, can you be my spiritual Santa Claus? You know, it, God's not that. He is a relationship that he is so desperately wanting with you. And he, he gave his son so that he could have that with you. Adoration. You give him adoration first. Confession. That is admitting and owning your sin. 
thanksgiving where you tell God how grateful you are to him. You tell God how wonderful he is to you. You give him thanks, you give him praise. And when you do this, then your heart is right. You're not not just coming to God because you want something. You You are with God in a relationship. And it's at that moment that I give supplication where I just humbly ask him to supply my needs. I'm not asking for a Lamborghini. I'm not asking for a a million dollars. I just want him to take care of me. And he says he will. But I still want to ask because it helps me keep my mind straight on who is the one who does it. I humbly ask him to take care of my needs. Now listen, guys. When you go after God with all of your heart and you are giving him everything that you have, when you are looking so intently on him, you're not letting anything else get in the way. I don't know what your vice is. It doesn't matter. Because if you will just focus on God and behold him as in a dirty mirror, then he's going to change you from the inside out. And you are going to walk with God and you're going to look back and say, you know, a month ago, I wasn't here. And I never want to go back there again. But you have to understand and ask yourself, who do you love? Who is it that you will obey? And what is it that you really, really want? Father, I pray this morning that you will take this message and God may your word sink heavy into our hearts not my, not my word God but your word you, what you have said in scripture what you have done in scripture may it be heavy in our hearts Father I pray that you will be our guide I pray that our focus will be so intense on you that we will not lose you. So God, may you be glorified in our week, in our month, in our life. Thank you for using us. Thank you for showing us how to walk with you. Thank you for giving us your son who died for us. Thank you for caring for us, for loving us. Father, may we be completely devoted to you in return. Use us for your glory. We want you, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.